the people in Iraq are having all the damage. I mean, you, you, you spend money, you spend, you know, hundreds of millions or billions of dollars on, on the, these wars, but the people here will lose their lives, the people here will, will lose their jobs, the people here will lose uh, their, their beloved ones. It's Saturday, January 4th, and it's the day after a U.S. drone strike killed top Iranian and Iraqi officials in Baghdad. I'm Ben Irwin, and this is Love Anyway, a podcast by Preemptive Love. Iranian military commander Qasem Soleimani and Abu Mahdi al-Muhandis, leader of Iraq's state-sponsored militia, were both killed, along with at least two others, as they drove from Baghdad's airport. The assassination sent shockwaves around the world. No one knows what will happen next whether it could bring the U.S. and Iran closer to war, what it could mean for the presence of U.S. officials, U.S. troops, and U.S. interests in Iraq, or how it could affect the wider region, with the fallout reaching potentially as far as Syria, Lebanon, or Yemen. My colleagues in Iraq, Aaron Wilson and Hassan Ibrahim, sat down to discuss the assassination and its aftermath. We're sharing their conversation to give you as close to an on-the-ground perspective as possible. Good morning, Hassan. Good morning, Erin. Uh, it was a rough uh, way to wake up this morning. Yeah, uh, very rough. Shocking, actually. So how did you wake up this morning? I start receiving messages uh, from my brother. Uh, he lives in Sweden. And uh, then I woke up to see all of this, like, having about, like, 30 minutes of when the first news came. The Iranian uh, guy, he's the, considered one of the most important and influenced person like in the whole region. Uh, he's the head and the leader of the Quds army, and he, um, like, uh, the mastermind, someone, some people call him, the mastermind of everything in Iraq, Syria, Yemen, all of this, uh, especially militias, planning, strategics, all of that. So what was his connection to the war against ISIS? He was one of the key uh, leaders. Soleimani was, in fact, one of the most important figures in the war against ISIS in Iraq, leading the militias that played an instrumental role in taking back territory. He have a very uh, strong influence, especially during the first wave when ISIS came and controlling major part of Iraq. So he uh, considered by many Iraqis, uh, including some politicians or the government, uh, one of the uh, people who credit for the uh, victory against ISIS. And now Iran-backed militias are also involved in Syria. The Iran-backed militias are in support of the government there. Uh, the way they think when they went to Syria to fight is this is like a religious kind of war. It's not about keeping Bashar al-Assad in power, but because you will have otherwise extremist groups controlling like like Qaeda, like uh, Nusra, like ISIS, controlling this region and bring like uh, war and fire to all uh, the place, not just in Syria, actually. It's, everyone will be in this. So much in the same way that the United States has soldiers all around the world to fight and protect um, American interests before war, war comes to the United States, 
um, Iran essentially is doing the same thing. They are involving themselves in in wars outside their country so that the violence does not come uh, to their borders. And it's easier. It's easier to fight outside your country than bringing the war to your country. You know, imagine, I mean, Iraq now, we don't need to imagine. We live in it. We, we are in the middle of it. So we see how war is devastating to everyone, even those who are not touched by it. To fight this outside, you know, to have this war, like what's happening now between Iran and United States, and the field is Iraq, is, is less damaging to, to those countries. So Iraq is just a field to settle all of those disagreements, to make all of this. And, and this is very sad, actually, because you are, you, you are doing, doing this and the people in Iraq are having all the damage. No one else will. I mean, you, you, you spend money, you spend, you know, hundreds of millions or billions of dollars on, on the, these wars, but you are, I mean, at least intact from it. The people here will lose their lives. The people here will, will lose their jobs. The people here will lose uh, their, their beloved ones. So this is, a, this is the thing. It's, it's easier to fight by proxy. And I think it's everywhere now. You know, like it's, you see it happening in Libya. You see it happening in Syria. You see it happening in Yemen. So this morning we've been watching closely what reactions would be across Iraq in this area. Um, can you tell me some of those some of those reactions? Maybe first start with, um, with Sadr. Muqtada al-Sadr is an important Shia cleric and power broker in Iraq. He condemned the attack, sent his condolences to uh, the Grand Ayatollah in, in, in Iran, and then he, he said uh, the, the Mahdi army, which has been freezed for all these years, like I think... So that's his army. His army. Yeah. This, is, this is the army that fought the United States for uh, since 2003 until 2010, I think, when he, start, when he first freeze it. Then now we are in 2020, and he... Uh, as he said in his tweet, that he called for a full mobilization for for the uh, Mahdi army to be ready and to protect uh, Iraq. Um, so uh, this this is a very serious development. What did we hear from the Iraq government? The prime minister of Iraq uh, issued a press release. He said, um, "We are condemning condemning this." attack, and uh, this is a, a violation to Iraqi sovereignty, dignity, and security in the agreement that been uh, signed with the uh, United States, which is one of the things that he also mentioned, the prime minister, that the agreement says that the uh, United States cannot perform attacks in, in Iraq soil. They are here for training Iraqi forces, and this is the, the, the main reason of their presence. Now, there was one important voice that we were waiting to hear from this morning. Sayyid uh, Ali Assistani, he's the Grand Ayatollah and the religious leader for all Shia in Iraq. And he's the first most important influ- and influenced person in, in all Iraq. He said the, 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 there was a very difficult and unfortunate and dangerous days, the last several days, to today's uh, serious and dangerous events by killing uh, and assassinating the, uh, the two heroes 
that two heroes of the victory against ISIS. Now, this is how he referred to them. This is how exactly he referred to them, the heroes of the victory against ISIS. He, he started praying to God, and uh, he asked for everyone uh, to self-control and to wisdom in their actions. It will be heard by some that he, he tried to prevent more bloodshed in, in Iraq. He tried to prevent more war. Especially, this is a war in proxy, you know? Like, it's not like United States have a war in Iraq or against Iraqis, or Iran have a war against Iraqis, and we try. It's like the two nations are trying to make a war. If it's not now, if it's not now, we are in war, actually, in Iraq. Like, they, they, they just, you know, they have this kind of disagreement or kind of thing, and, well, let's choose a map. And suddenly it's like we are in the middle of it. Iraq is the map for this war. So this is all still a developing, very much a developing situation. What's your best advice for people in the next, in the next few days as things start to unfold and all kinds of stories and speculation uh, are flying around online? Well, self-control is the one that I think is the key uh, player in this situation because once you escalate this to something else, you have no control anymore. And I feel like we are now have no control on things that keep going, you know, keep happening. We saw it like in just seven days. There was an attack on a base in Kirkuk that led to the one U.S. civilian killed, contractor killed, and, and others injured. Then just in the next days, there is an attack on, on a base for Hashid. There is a next day, there was a storm uh, on the, the, the U.S. embassy in Baghdad. And now we have those two, one of the most important and key players in, in all this uh, situation in, in, in the region. Anything else like will add to it. It just will keep this, uh, f- fuel this and keep it going to something that maybe uh, the no no more kind of going back like war, and we can't know what's ahead, but there's one thing we do know absolutely we know is that Iraqis want peace. Definitely, the majority of Iraqis is just tired of war. Like this war, the wars here is just it feels like it's never ends now. It feels every time we see. Every time we dream or hope for peace, something comes and destroy that or something just blurred everything and make it uh, very difficult to see. And w- definitely people, every time, every time they were in war, they see how devastating this war, the, how awful this war, and uh, hope, dream, or try hard to to bring peace like those protesters now in Baghdad who've been there for three months now in downtown in Tahrir Square in Tahrir Square they are protesting for taking all the influence that Iran put in Iraq take out corruption uh, bring peace bring prosperity to the country people want that see that as the hope for the future Maybe not for us, maybe for our children. 
but it's achievable if we want to. Thank you, Hassan. Thank you, Erin. Ma salama. Ma alif salama. Thank you for listening. We'll continue to share more from Iraq as the situation develops. You can follow us at Preemptive Love on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. To support our work providing relief and jobs to mend the wounds of war in places like Iraq, go to preemptivelove.org.